This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Welcome to the Road of His College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LaCode, joined by my co-hosts, Matt Wispay, and special guest, Travis May. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, FFPC, DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, Underdog, and Bet Online. We are excited to have you here today. We have a great show. Before we get into it all, though, I want to welcome our good friend, Travis May. Travis, how are you doing? Great. Glad to be here talking some college football and uh, pumped that it's like right here about to start because, you know, I think we were all worried that it might not start at all. And so I'm glad we're getting anything. And now, you know, we're going to get into some some other things about, you know, how it might be even more normal than we thought. But it just just kind of crazy, crazy summer for college football. So I'm I'm ready to talk about it, watch it, just record every game I can and watch that till four in the morning. Let's let's go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right here for it too. I I can't believe I know this upcoming weekend we have some FBS stuff going on. It is going to be good. We're not doing any of our uh, picks this week. We'll get into Matt that will. next week. Matt, well, Matt, of course you will. It's, Matt, how it's are you doing? Small school teams. I'm 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 picking a game to bet. That's my my wheelhouse. So got to stay on brand. Got to stay on brand. Real quick, Travis, can you tell everyone, uh, Matt and I have both been able to uh, join you on your College to Canton podcast. Just give a quick plug for that for the listeners. Uh, if people haven't heard about it, I would love, I mean, they should have because we've talked about it. Um, but but just give them a little bit of a, a taste of what you got going on over there. Hey, sure. Yeah. So it's basically a show all about prospect analysis, but really like capturing that journey from the, uh, you know, being a recruit in, in high school all the way through college to your NFL career to the Hall of Fame. It's, it's I really have covered everything from recruiting to Hall of Fame stuff. Just had like a Hall of Fame kind of debate episode with Mike Randall here uh, recently uh, with you guys talked about, you know, various universities that, that bring, you know, the best recruits to the uh, well, all the way through to the NFL and, and get drafted at a high rate and produce. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could try to, you know, make it a fantasy football show, but at the same time, make it to where anybody and everybody who likes college football or NFL could enjoy it and learn something at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's been a blast so far. Only 10 episodes in, but just uh, really well-received and, and just having a blast. So I'm looking forward to more. I know I've really enjoyed it. Matt and I have talked about it a couple of times on the show. It's uh, it's good stuff, man. We've, we've, uh, we've been talking about it a lot. We uh, can't, we can't get enough of it. Uh, to be honest. So so keep it up. It's awesome. I'm super glad you're here. We're going to get into a lot today. We're going to start off, of course, with little news and notes. Then we're going to talk about some of our rankings changes that have taken place over in the Debbie world. Of course, Travis is one of the contributors to that over on Rotoviz, so it's it's nice to have him and his perspective. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the changes, some writers and fallers, and then I'll uh, we'll finish it off with Matt and Travis kind of get it in, into it on a couple of players where they differ quite a bit but before we do that matt i uh i've gone far too far far too long into the show to not hear just you know i just wanted the listeners to get a little glimpse of 
you and I's text exchanges on almost insanity? a daily. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's about every every about forty three seconds. Uh, Matt's got a new conspiracy theory on why Big Ten football is coming back. So 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 hit us with it, Matt. So I'm at this point now where it's like there's just so much happening and so little coming out that I've completely deluded myself into believing that every single rumor that's out there about them coming back is true. Um, if you are a Big Ten like follower, if you're really like anxiously hoping they come back, you've probably seen the name Sir Yacht pop up um, or Chugs because those are two quote unquote insiders who have connections somewhere inside like athletic director offices who are have now basically confirmed that October football is going to happen. So there was the report that came out earlier this week or late last week. I'm not sure that they were looking at that uh, Thanksgiving start and that 80s were pushing back. Well, no one has any idea. But before this show, I got a little bit of a comfort in the fact that now a real reporter, the Dan Patrick Show Twitter account put out there that it does look like they are the option for starting football on October 10th, which would make the Big Ten eligible for the college football playoff, is at least on the table and that they're potentially going to vote on that. Now, the one thing to always take into consideration whenever you see these reports are, if their source is an athletic director, the athletic director wants this to be what's out there so they can start to pressure the presidents. If the source is a president, um, they're likely still pushing for that uh, January timeline. So uh, there's there's a lot of mix, like mixed information out there. But because I desperately want to see Ohio State play Clemson this year, so desperately want them to play Clemson, um, I'm believing every single tweet I see that says that the Big Ten is back. Um, and at this point, I'm going to believe that they're already in practice right now. So um, until someone tells me otherwise, yeah, I'm not letting myself think football is happening in January. I Again, I love your passion for this. It really is refreshing. What do you think, Travis? you think we're going to have Big Ten football this year? Absolutely. It's just they're, they've continually been backpedaling. Uh, it's just been ridiculous uh, just to see. I mean, it was – all of a sudden, we have the schedule. This is going to be what it's going to be. And then, no, I'm just kidding. We're canceling everything until, you know, until we, they didn't even have like a, a, a date at all initially. Like, and then they're like, okay, it might be January. And they're like, okay, it might be Thanksgiving. That was some early rumors. And now it's okay, it might be October. And I feel like we're going to get to a point where, I mean, the SEC still doesn't start for what, three, three more weeks from now. So there's still plenty of time for them to correct this and start just about on time uh, with, uh, with like the SEC. Um, just because, I mean, it's, it's, it was just strange how it happened and they, they've now seen programs pull it off and, and make it work with the testing and everything. And there's no reason that, that the big 10 can't make it work. Uh, and, and <laughs> frankly, a few of the States still don't have, uh, as big of an issue, I guess, as some of the, uh, kind of hotter States anyway. And I think that that's already kind of been fleshed out a little bit and who voted yes versus no. Uh, but you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with the timing of it all. Because if it's if it is in October, then we have this weird schedule where like the ACC is way ahead, the SEC is kind of in between, and the Big Ten's way late. How do you even have an, uh, a national championship kind of kind of set up there? So, I think it's going to get to the point where they're starting before October. They're starting right about on time with the SEC. 
Wow. Well, I mean, and you br- you bring up the testing and stuff like that. I mean, the Big Ten has the resources, yeah, in place to be able to roll this out pretty quickly. I would think. I so, mean, we saw we saw Austin P play last week. I mean, <laughs> so right. it's, uh, we can sit here and say that schools can't afford the testing. Schools can't really put all these protocols in place. Austin P managed to have a football game, and it went off. See, I mean, they had positives, but it went off without a hitch. They got the players out that needed to be out. So. It, I mean, I, I'm until it is definitively dead until October 10th passes and the Big Ten is now officially not going to be eligible to play in the playoff. I'm going to believe that they're pushing. And the truth is they're going to be pushing because there's some lawsuits sitting out there. And until those those aren't just going to disappear. So it's messy. Um, but I think we can all hope that we get at least four of the five schools that are major conferences that come back so we can have some semblance of a real season. Yeah, that Absolutely. would be nice. <laughs> I am. I'm sad that we can't say the same thing about the Pac-12. <laughs> I've, well, it'll I've it'll be interesting for them too. I mean, for as much as the Big Ten's getting all this pressure on them and they're getting just every day getting destroyed by the media, it it is going to be a point where like all of a sudden if the Big Ten comes out tomorrow and says – our presidents have voted. We've made a new decision. We've decided that based on this information, um, we had incorrect facts or incorrect data to make an assumption about how this was going to go. And the fact that schools have taken steps forward, all of a sudden there will be a pressure put on the PAC 12. It's just going to be a matter of their states tend are right now tend to be a little more like taking the virus a little bit more seriously I don't mean to like downplay what other states no, are doing, I mean, but it seems right. like California and the West Coast is still very much in this like, all right, you're basically still quarantined unless we say otherwise. So right. it's just it's an interesting thing. And I, I'm I don't know. We'll see. I don't I, I wouldn't rule out the Pac-12 flipping their decision that at least they've been transparent and didn't lie about why they went up there. They came out there with a row of doctors and said, we don't think we can do this safely. If you bring out a row of doctors again that say we've reviewed all the data that's out there and we're seeing whatever from essentially pilot studies of these smaller schools, it can be done. So I don't know. Yep. We'll see. Let's let's move on. I want to tell you guys real quick about the home of the best fantasy football leagues. I'm talking about FFPC, of course. Go over and check out their contest. It's the best site in the industry. Everything from Dynasty, Best Ball, everything you need to keep yourself going, Matt. Give us your FFPC stat of the day, would you please? So SMU last season was basically a blind overbet every single week last year. They opened up the season against Texas State with an over-under of 69.5. On, I don't know where that one's listed, to be honest. I believe it's on Bet Online at 69.5. During their 2019 campaign, they were number one in the country with the percentage of their games that went over with a 10-3 and record. And on those uh, games across the year, they actually would have covered the 69 and a half spread six times. So if you're looking for a game that you're expecting a high scoring opening week, this is a game to be watching. I love it. SMU and of course, Matt staying on, staying on brand, going with some, uh, some nice small school football stuff. Let's jump into the news here. Big news coming out of the SEC. We've got a couple players opting out. I wanted to throw this one over to you, uh, Travis, Jamar Chase. You you wrote up a, a wonderful article um, on LSU where you talked a little bit about Jamar Chase and just kind of what your expectations were for him this year. I think he was um, definitely your wide receiver 
number one. Uh, I don't know if you had uh, some of the quarterbacks or uh, running backs ranked ahead of him because actually I'll pull it up right now and see. Um, yeah, he was your number one, number one non-quarterback in a super flex ranking. So tell me a little bit about what this means for LSU, what it means for Jamar Chase, and most importantly, what it means for your ranking. <laughs> well, yeah, he's staying at the top. Uh, I think I've talked about it a little bit. I, I talked about it in that article, breaking down LSU. And, and you know, really, if you look at his you know, receiving profile, just uh, from a production standpoint, and what we like to see, he hits everything and breaks everything. Uh, and had basically the best, you know, singular season of any wide receiver the past 20 years, except for maybe Larry Fitzgerald's like 2003 season. So there's basically, <laughs> there's basically no one to even compare him to. Like everyone wants a comp for Jamar Chase, like, uh, you know, from a film standpoint, from a number standpoint, and there's, there's really not any, it's like a, he's like a, a more productive, uh, more impressive Odell Beckham Jr., uh, and Odell was taken in, you know, upper parts of the first round. And that's where I think Jamar Chase is going to be, uh, even in a class that has a lot of other good wide receivers, uh, especially if you compare him to like Henry Ruggs, who had a ridiculously horrible production profile. <laughs> he was still somehow taken as a top half of the first round just because of that speed. I think Chase is going to check a lot of the physical boxes and, and, and be uh, really quick by next spring. And especially we're going to see some interesting times. I think more than ever, some, you know, the stronger players than ever, maybe some better, better uh, testing scores than we've ever seen because all these players out there out early are going to have longer than ever to prepare for these, uh, the underwear Olympics. And so I think, um, yes, he, he's going to check every box, uh, that you can for a wide receiver. And so there's no questions. I have like zero for him. Maybe you can nitpick and say he doesn't have a lot of press reps, because uh, nobody wants to press him because he, he, you know, he's averages 20 yards to catch. So he's going to get behind you and he's going to stack you and he's going to win. So <laughs> nobody even tries to really get it, get a hand as his face that that is going to be different in the pros, but uh, that's just nitpicking. Well, and I think it, I mean, and one of the big reasons why he, you can pretty much lock and load him into that wide receiver one. Now, number one, he's projected top 10 right now. And if you're projected top 10 and all of a sudden you're not playing, Unless teams are just like, I don't like the fact that he's a quitter, which is stupid. Um, right. He's going to still go top 10. Um, and one of the bigger things that helps him kind of stay into that spot is, I mean, earlier on, we, we've already seen some of the opt-outs. Bateman out, Rondale Moore out. Those two guys were probably the right two right on his tail that mm-hmm. could have maybe, maybe pressured him for that overall wide receiver one in the draft or in fantasy but the truth is, with them sitting out, there's not really anyone. I mean, other than Chris Olave is going to be the wide receiver one. Um, <laughs> right. Other, I mean, there aren't a lot of names that really are going to be playing that could make that jump. So it, if you're him, the only reason to come back, if you're him, is like, do you want to be the first wide receiver in whatever, multiple decades to win a Heisman? It seems like that's unlikely. Do you think that you can, can you come back for another undefeated year? Well, they're replacing nine plus starters like he's coming back to a completely different team. So it's just kind of crazy to be like, how do you you can't really fault the kid for not wanting to come back right away. And honestly, I am I mean, I'm fully in on him as my wide receiver one. He is uh, I'm the same as Travis. We both have him as our third overall player and in non super flex leagues, he would be my number one overall. Yeah, 
Nope, that, that, I think that's really good. You brought up something, Travis, that I'm going to hit on a little bit, just talking about um, all this time being able to prep for the combine. I want to get into that when we talk about how we've adjusted our rankings with uh, this unusual season. So let's put a pin in that. Let's move on to the other big news. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, running back out of Memphis, is also opting out. And he was someone who was getting a little helium. He was starting to climb a bunch of people's rankings. And now, I don't know, does this change it for him at all, Travis? Do you think uh, he's only really played one year? Does this, do you think, help him or hurt him, stay the same? What, what are you doing with Gainwell? You know, it's interesting because, one, he plays in the, the G5. You know, the, a, the AAC, AAC is like kind of an in-between, the you know, group of five and power five. Like, the AAC, like AAC is so much better than, like, the Sun Belt. You know, it, it, so it's... Yeah, it's and Memphis has... Yeah, they, they've had really has been putting teams. out some decent players. Yeah. Top bowl, to bottom, the AAC, top yeah. to bottom, the AAC is just as good as the ACC. Like <laughs> if you play team for team across them and I, that might sound ridiculous and, and it's close, I mean, maybe, but I, I would say that the talent difference between the ACC and the AAC is substantially smaller than the talent gap between the Mountain West Conference and the AAC. No, I agree there, especially if you like take away Clemson. Like the problem is they well, don't have yeah. they don't have the top end that the ACC has or has ever had, but yeah they've got some really great programs like even Cincinnati even um, you know even like you mentioned you, SMU has been has been decent uh, the the schedule this year is going to be brutal, brutal for them but yeah there's a bunch of good teams there U, UCF having the you know the national championship season or whatever <laughs> but yes uh, yeah so. What were we talking about again? <laughs> the Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell. Gain- oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you adjust Gainwell? Yes. Yeah, so I think this is actually going to be a good thing for him because he's not going to match the ridiculous numbers he put up last year, having like 1,200 yards on outside runs and you know having 50-plus catches in a season. Uh, I mean, just, just some ridiculous production, 1,500-plus yards, just incredible stuff from a player – um, even even playing against weaker conference uh, conference schedules, he's he's really really solid. The issue was his size, and so I think if he has from September to February to just work on building muscle, building some weight, and maintaining the speed, getting with some people to just work on just perfecting you know his his measurables. Uh, if he can check that physical box and, and that he can check into the combine at 205 or 206 or 207 something where it's not a huge huge question mark we even want we want him to be thicker than that but his frame might not hold that i think that's going to be huge for his draft capital uh so i i think it could be a good thing but because he's not going to have the opportunity to have more than just one season on his resume there are definitely more questions about what nfl decision makers are going to think so like he was already you know maybe a day two talent but does it really, I mean, I just don't know what it means for the NFL decision makers that he's going to be missing a whole year and only have one season. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have be in that position, like with Rondale Moore, like you already have all the physical, like he ran a four, three in high school, uh, had a 2,200 yard season in, in the big 10. Uh, and even like Sage Surratt who left early too, I like him uh, and we'll probably get to him a little bit more too, but um, he's leaving with just one season. But I think, Kenneth Gainwell has the weakest case for it just because of the competition and the size questions uh, coming in. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that he will declare for the draft? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, his story is... I mean, he's a- eligible. I just don't know, but because he totally could just come back. Well, his, his story is a little more interesting because like, if you know 
if I, I think he put it in his whole statement, but he had like a lot of family members die from COVID. Yeah. So yeah. for him, it's, it does seem like it's the, it's not, Oh, there's no reason for me to play. It's the, Hey, this thing could kill me. So right. I think there's, yeah. I think it's an outside chance. I think he's going to be one of those players that whatever they tell him at the like NFL draft board or whatever, whenever they give him feedback, it'll be interesting to, because if they tell him, Hey, you're a you're a fourth round or you're a fourth fifth round pick, but if you go and kill the combine, all of a sudden you could be a like late third. Then maybe. But Which, by I the think way, he... all they say is round one, round two, or go back to school. Anyone who tells you differently mm. is lying. Like they yeah. don't have anything else besides those three. So it's like if he doesn't get a round two grade, do you guys think he just returns? I don't know. I I think part of it maybe it. The, the problem is going to be with Memphis kind of can plug in anyone into their system. So he may not have like this, like he should have a guaranteed spot when he walks back and he should be the day, like clear cut leader, but they very well may just move on from him. Which they have like three guys there that, that they want to get a bunch of work. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember Austin Martin. Yep. Yeah, um, I was about he's to there. Say. And then uh, they really like Rod- Rodriguez Clark. Like they actually really like him. He could be the starter this year. And then there's somebody else. Um, one other guy that's going to get some run. Oh, Kylan Watkins from last year. So it, they could just already have like their, so their next trio of, of guys and they're the guys. So I, I wouldn't risk it if I was gaining Well, I would just go. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's the play is I think he's, he should spend the next few months, get as fast as possible, add as much weight as possible for the ability to stay the, with your athleticism and then go to the draft because I mean, we all have, we say it every, every time with a running back, you only have so many hits you can take. You're only like get to your second contract as fast as possible. He's only had one meaningful season of college football. And if he can get drafted off that one meaningful season, go for it. Yeah. Well, we've got a little bit more, little bit of other news for running backs from the sec. Well, former sec, Whitlow, former Auburn running back, is heading to the FCS to play for Western Illinois. Whitlow wasn't a guy that you guys had ranked very high. Does this does this matter to you guys um, at all? Do you think Whitlow's someone who should be thought about in uh, Debbie ranks? How how many Debbie slots would you need to uh, to consider 20. drafting him? Twenty. <laughs> like honestly, like I say this like somewhat sincerely. I- he right now is in my, I have him sitting at 61 overall, but I have him over guys like Bijan Roz or Bijan Robinson. That's not going to stick. I have him above, um, like uh, all the freshmen, pretty much any freshman that's going to see who has the potential to see the field as a freshman. I'm going to put over him. And it's just, I mean, I feel, I, I, I really liked him. I, I liked what we saw as freshman season, uh, Auburn. And I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was a really good player. And that's why when I initially did my ranks, I, I put him pretty high. I think before his transfer, he was in my forties somewhere. He was right alongside like Jermar Jefferson and where I have journey Brown. Um, I just think for, for me, it's not like he's going to a school that anyone's going to see. So he has to go and just like, I mean, he needs to go put up 2,500 yards playing for Western Illinois for him to jump back in my radar. On my radar. Yeah. 
Uh, it's funny. He's like trying to go the like the path of uh, Brandon Jacobs. Actually, I think it, I don't know if it was Western Illinois, but he, I think Brandon Jacobs went over to Southern Illinois for a year and then still made it to the NFL. Like there is maybe one or two precedents for this happening, but really, I mean, he he would have had to do probably more before for him to really stay that high, right? Like I, I'm in a yeah dev, really super deep uh, Debbie draft, and uh, in terms of offensive players, he went 223rd. So, <laughs> um, yeah. and that was, you know, before he went to Western Illinois, like now he might actually go even later than that. Like he's off my radar, like gone. I don't care what he does. Frankly, he's not going to, he's, I don't think he's going to get drafted. Like there's a 0.1% chance he'll get drafted now. Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't good odds, but you know where you have the best odds where like the hit rate is 1000. That's with DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed or socially distanced or you have to sit outside on the patio, you can still get the delivery straight to your home with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you've been craving, and it's right at your front door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose whatever you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. I happen to be sitting in my basement waiting for my dogs to lose their mind as a doorbell rings because... We've ordered sushi tonight, and I'm extremely excited to get done with this recording and jump upstairs and eat some. It's super easy, and if you guys use our promo code BLUEWIRE right now, you will get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. That's right, $5 off your next delivery and zero delivery fees on your next order. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about changes to our rankings. Uh, so initially, when when all this craziness started happening, seasons getting shut down for the Big Ten and Pac-12, uh, players opting out, my, my initial reaction was, man, all these kids that aren't going to get to play this year, I am moving them down because they're not going to have the opportunity. Not all of them. Guys like Jamar Chase might be the exception. But but we've talked about guys like Journey Brown, uh, Kennedy Brooks already uh, a couple weeks ago. They weren't going to have the opportunity to show out this season and and put on some impressive tape, get some good stats on some great teams, and, and climb the boards. Similar to what we saw, you know, a lot of like every year you see these players kind of jump out of nowhere. I mean, Joe Burrow is is maybe the most obvious uh, example from last year, but. This year, they don't have that opportunity. But then, Travis, you brought up this point that uh, had my wheels spinning a little bit, and that's talking about being able to prep exclusively for the NFL Combine and and kids getting, you know, like a ma- major head start on on that event, as you call them, the, uh, the Underwear Olympics. So what is your overall thought on that idea of prep time versus play time and then what it all meant for your rankings? Why don't, why don't you uh, lead the way, Travis? Yeah, so it, I think that that's a huge, um, a huge for players that really needed to work on it, like like players that really need to add weight, or players that you could definitely see having an agility issue, or you know, basically like if, even if quarterbacks, you know, even if we see other quarterbacks drop out, you know, time to work on specific throws they know they're they're going to be asked to do, like because there there are specific things that they always have every single year. If you can get really good and re- look really awesome in shorts that helps a ton. And so if you get a bunch of, you know, professional, even like the interview part of it, which is huge, like, you know, teams can, um, you know, get, get an interview with a certain number of players, you know, 
really professional help in that regard too. Like I, I think that's a super underrated aspect of it. Just having nothing but professional help for six months ahead of time. Uh, just knowing, hey, I'm going to have to check this box, this box, this box, this box, and this box. I think that's a huge, huge advantage. Like, I mean, you think about the teams that make the, the college football playoff. Like, they're playing in January. Like, you know, guys like just this past year, like J.K. Dobbins kind of tweaked something. T. Higgins kind of tweaked something. And they're like, well, I'm definitely not going to be ready at all. Like, I'm still physically banged up from the season. I'm not going to be ready for my the biggest job interview ever in like a month or less. So it's huge advantage there. So maybe it helps their draft stock. And so that was kind of in, in the back of my mind, especially especially with guys like like Gainwell uh, and, and even like Rondale Moore. Like he doesn't really have to prove anything more on, on field. And we already know he's got 4-3 speed. But if he has time to really work on it and he's and he's benching like what a defensive lineman can, like and just, <laughs> you know, like he might be a little shorter than we want to see him do be and, and so that's he knows that's going to be an issue but if he can answer every single other question we might have that probably locks it up and i'm not worried about rondale Moore. i'm not worried about rashad bateman uh especially because bateman is not going to be the fastest guy but if he has oh i think of like mike evans like you know checking the speed box when on field he definitely definitely is not as fast as his you know underwear 40 was so if, if bateman can even just get an, an okay number like mid four fives like there's not going to be any questions, but had he played a whole season and had, you know, a month or a month and a half to work on it, uh, I would be more concerned about his, his speed or being able to run a sub four, six 40, uh, at the combine. So yeah, I, I think it went into every single player, uh, in every single part of my rankings. And, and I've been doing this draft that's a thousand, it's 1200 players deep. And I've, I've been really thinking about each and every pick for basically the last three months. And so I've really looked in depth at, at each and every player in my rankings and beyond that I even have ranked uh, just just from this through this new lens, I guess. Yeah, interesting. So do you do you find that you have um, kind of the, the players who are missing out on the season? You haven't actually had to drop them very far. Um, yeah, for the most part, I'm not dropping a lot of them because they've been the surefire guys. Uh, and we can probably get in more into this in a bit, but I think an exception to that, I am dropping Gain Gainwell a little bit, uh, just because I've I've actually dug more into uh, just his game by the numbers um, and where he succeeds and where you know schematically uh, he would fit uh, and the size concerns. Unless he adds weight, he is not going to be worth where I had him ranked, and so I've been dropping him. So maybe he cleans that up. Maybe you he adds were, weight. But I was you were very high. high on him. Yeah, you were like top five running back, right? Um, I'm not sure I was that high, but he's, he's almost, almost in that conversation, I think as it currently stands or the last iteration of the rankings, but he's going to be yeah. dropping a bit there and Sage Surratt really, um, I, I would have loved to see another complete season from him. Uh, you know, he has like one really dominant season, uh, and he, you know, it's on Wake Forest, <laughs> uh, in a, in a weird situation where, uh, they were, you know, it's kind of like a, a late hold uh, you know, Jamie Newman would keep the ball like 15 seconds <laughs> in the gut of his running back and then pull it and chuck it 25 yards downfield to say Sherrod. It's not exactly like a normal offense. So there, right. there's some schematic concerns, I guess, and maybe route diversity concerns, I guess, with Surratt that I would love to, you know, have seen him succeed with another quarterback and, and maybe uh, in different situations this year where I'm sure NFL, you know, decision makers probably would have wanted to see more out of out of him 
also, just because I don't think he's going to be a burner. Um, and I, I'm not sure he's like an out, absolute dominant X, uh, you know, that uh, just always wins the jump ball situations uh, that, that we're just, you know, slam dunk first round pick. You know, so he might not be, I think he's going to be a round two pick, but he's, I'm, I'm less certain of that than I am with, uh, you know, Rondell Moore or uh, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. What about you, Matt? How was your uh, whole process to the rankings kind of changed over the last couple of weeks? Honestly, the only major change that I made was players that I had ranked highly based on expected jump. Um, Could you give a couple examples? I'm on. I mean, the big one for me is I'm on Ross St. Brown. I had basically had him plugged in as a, I think he's going to get a huge market share and have like the Allen Robinson finish to his career. Um, I don't think that's going to come because obviously I don't believe uh, we've talked about this. I don't think January football will happen in any capacity. Um, and then the one that I basically had to just stop his skyrocket is Alave. Um, if they don't play fall football, um, he's not going to play another down. Um, he'll need to cure. I mean, he'll have to crush the combine, because the last moment anyone see his biggest game tape was turning the wrong way on a route and basically costing Justin Fields from a game winning touchdown moment. So uh, he, I, he was a guy that I had basically been banking on as a, he's going to get end his career with a huge market share and he's going to look great. And he's going to kind of have that. um, I don't want to say, I always say DJ Moore, but kind of like that huge market share on a like final year to just close out his career. So I don't know. I, I mean, there's just been a few guys. It's mostly just stopped the halt of players. Um, things I'm now taking into consideration. We'll talk about them on my moving up, but like David Bell is a guy that I'm really looking at moving up. And then I know Travis isn't concerned about Rondell Moore. I know most people aren't concerned about Rondell Moore. He hasn't fallen far but Rodnell Moore is now in the exact same tier for me as like Waddle Pickens and even like the other guys that are projected first round. It, Devonta Smith is probably in that tier also. It's for me, it's just a for yes, we think he is amazing. Yes, I think that this time off giving his body time to heal is probably an OK thing. But we will have gone two full seasons without seeing or essentially two full seasons without seeing Rondale Moore play. And even though that last time we saw him play was absolutely amazing. I'm just a I I'm a little more risk averse and I will take a Bateman over him when had he played this year and maybe not repeated what he did his freshman year but put up similar numbers Rondell Moore probably would have been right up there alongside Jamar Chase. For for myself it's been a, a difficult process. I I think the way you worded it was was spot on there uh Matt where I had projected originally like some, some big jumps for, especially at the running back position, guys like Journey Brown, Kennedy Brooks, people I've been talking about for way too long now. And now I just don't know what's going to happen because they're not going to have the opportunity to take over a backfield and show us what they could have done as, you know, the number one or the primary back uh, on their team. So what are NFL teams going to do? And if they don't have that draft capital, especially at the running back position, well, any position really, I mean, it's, it's pretty difficult to, uh, to, to know. So I, though, those middle tier guys is where I've uh, done a lot of my moving um, down and then players that I know are coming back because they have 
you know, they have football, like a guy like Zamir White, for example, is a guy who's climbed a bit for me because I he he is going to have that opportunity where other people won't. So that's kind of how I've um, been been looking at it. Anybody have any uh, any rebuttals to uh, other people's processes? No, I think the Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle thing, it'll be interesting it, what happens without Tua there for them. Uh, and if they do actually decide to stay, I think those are the two that we could see still opt out that are, you know, in that top 50 wide receiver uh, conversation already, like without any combine or anything like that. But I, I don't think. know. I guess I don't know what your motivation is if you're Smith to drop out. And, yeah. I, I mean, unless all of a yeah. sudden the, the issue with Smith is Smith needs to kind of show that he wasn't fourth um, behind rugs. He was uh, first last year. I mean, but I, and he's the, the I think that's the, everyone knew Jerry Judy. Everyone knew Ruggs because of the blazing speed. And everyone was talking about Waddle because he looked the best with the ball in his hands. And Smith, even though he's awesome and actually like is a very yeah. good player um, and has first round talent, he was sort of that like the other guy. He wasn't the one that anyone was projecting like the super high ceiling. So I don't necessarily know. Yes, he very well could drop out. And I think, I, again, I don't fault any player for making the decision to opt out. But for him, him going back was such a, like, he knew he needed to improve his profile just to get out of the shadow of the other guys. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, Waddle, Waddle dropping out wouldn't shock me because I think he's the one that already has his own hype. Which is hilarious because he's done much less than any oh, of the yeah. others. Like it's just weird. Like I mean, he's got some splashy plays, which is great. I mean, he checks checks a lot of boxes when he's on the field, but he just has never done it. And so it's just I don't, I don't know. He'd be the biggest projection, even more so than uh, Henry Rux. Like he'd, yeah. <laughs> it would just be really odd. But I, I think they both really eat up all the market share. I think I was just talking about this with Job John Law this week, but I don't I don't think that you know they feed three plus wide receivers again this year with Mac Jones or Bryce Young, whoever it is, a quarterback there. I, I just don't Bryce. think that's right. Yeah, I hope it's Bryce too. But I don't think that they feed, you know, three plus wide receivers again. I think Devontae is just going to eat and have like a 1,300 plus yard season. And what he's done on like a per target basis is just incredible. Like his his ADOT is is not, I thought it would be actually lower, but his ADOT is actually well above average and his yak per target is was number one in the entire nation last year. Uh, so if he does, you know, that level of efficiency again on a large sample size and eats up all the market share for Alabama, he, he could be right next to chase. Um, mm. And so that's, I don't think that that's an outcome that a lot of Debbie players are messing around with, but I think he might have a better chance of, of doing that than even a Jalen Waddle, just because I'm not sure that Waddle is going to be a four two seven guy. And so if he's, you know, not quite yeah. that crazy fast, then if he doesn't have the crazy production at all, um, I think he's, he's, he's going to be the, you know, wide receiver for later. That's good stuff. Let's get into some more players uh, here in our uh, moving up, moving down stuff. You guys have kind of hit on a few already, but before we do that, we just want to remind you guys that yeah, football's right around the corner. We are like a week out from NFL football games and uh, we couldn't be more excited than to tell you that we have partnered up with NFL Sunday Ticket. 
TV. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, so you can never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to get the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday TV and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, I am so excited for the for NFL to be here. It's uh, it's can't come soon enough. We've been waiting a long time. We need this. It's going to be great. Um, but what else I need? Um, I need to hear some some players that have been moving up your board there, Matt. Who who's one guy that you have maybe not talked a lot about so far uh, this off season that um, that you're really excited about that's been moving up your your uh, your ranks? So I should skip number one on my list because I talk about yeah, him all the time. Now. Right. So the the number two guy I have on my list, and it's not really he's not he's not far down my list, but he's going to keep moving up and the opt out of Rondale Moore helps. It's David Bell. David Bell was a, I believe, a true freshman last year. Um, and when when Rondale Moore went down, all of a sudden, David Bell was the guy. So he was not a true freshman. Oh, yes, he was. I'm an idiot and I can't read college football reference right now today. But so he had a thousand thirty five yards, seven touchdowns in on 86 receptions. He's going to be a guy that gets a huge market share. Um, film guys already love him and he's putting up meaningful stats early on in his career. That's the type of guy that looks like the, the type of player that'll have early draft capital. So uh, it's hard not to like a player like that. I would put him I, right now. I have him at 21. I'm going to guess that after I completely re up this, he'll probably be, Ooh, I'm not sure I'll have him above the QB. So he might, he might only jump to 20, but he's, he's definitely in consideration of like, he's a second round pick in every single Debbie format. Travis, how about one for you? Uh, so one, I just talked about him recently, uh, just this past week, but hadn't been doing a whole lot. Uh, I, I have a couple shares of him already in some deeper Debbie leagues, but I mentioned Sage, Sage Surratt is not going to be awake for us this year. <laughs> They're having, you know, they're, they're having to re- replace, in theory, 230-plus receptions uh, for Wake Forest. Like, f- between four different players leaving, they're re- basically replacing their entire wide receiver core and their quarterback this year. So it's, it's going to look a lot different. But the only guy with any experience at all is Donovan Green. Donovan Green is a true sophomore, or I guess I guess he technically redshirted because it was a, he only played four games, so he's like a redshirt sophomore. But in those four games, he actually had nearly a 25% dominator rating was really effective, especially in the Syracuse game uh, late last fall. So I really can't wait to rank Donovan Green higher than anybody has him because uh, he's somebody <laughs> that's that's going to break out and have like a – he's going to post something stupid this year. It's going to be like a near like a 40% dominator probably for that offense this year. So people are going to be like, who's this Donovan Green kid? Well, he was already on Travis's roster six months ago. So just so that's you know, right. flag planting, Donovan Green is going to be ranked way high on everybody's list, uh, especially, you know, three or four months from now, uh, probably more than anybody. That's, that's who I'm going to have to rank soon. Cause I don't even think he's on the, the, the ranks within uh, road right now. Cause he's, I think he'd have to be top 60 and he's not there, but two weeks from now, three weeks from now, I, I might have to put him up in that conversation. Oh, I, I like that a lot. Uh, it kind of reminds me, and this isn't the only reason I like it, but it reminds me of a player that I have. You, you talk about like how many vacated uh, receptions, Terrace Marshall, uh, he happens to be at a, at, a, at a place where their top four producers last year in Jefferson, uh, Chase, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Thaddeus Moss, 
between the four of them, that was not 69.7% of the reception. And, and Marshall's the only guy left <laughs> uh, for the most part. And he had a, a really solid year last year. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns. He had 46 receptions in, in 12 games. I mean, I, I think this could be this junior year of his could be the one that really puts him on the map. So he's been someone that has been moving up my boards uh, pretty significantly. I think he could be, um, I know, I don't know that LSU has brought in some, some talented young guys, but I think Marshall uh, in his junior year is going to really uh, ball out again, like you said, really have a opportunity to, to get a nice dominator rating from the, from the season there in uh, my only question is, is who's playing quarterback and, and what that, what that might look like. Um, I know, uh, Matt's been talking about LSU as uh, only winning two games this year, so so that might. Whoa, be whoa, too. whoa! <laughs> On their normal schedule, I said they'd win six, but they're they're just not going to be a, they're not going to be a title contender. Everyone needs yeah, to get no. that out of their head. But I, I, I like Marshall a lot. No, I do too, man. Like, and it's funny, like when you really compare his just how prolific prolific he was at scoring touchdowns. Like when you look at every wide receiver in the entire nation that that had at least like 40 receptions, like he more than doubled the touchdown percentage of all but like 25 of them. Like it was, and he had like I think three or four percent uh, above the the next in line, which is your boy uh, Chris Olave. He like tw- yeah. almost almost 30 percent of his receptions were touchdowns last year, uh, and he wasn't even 100 percent for the whole. He missed some games, like he injured. I believe he injured his foot in the Vanderbilt game. I was actually there. I think I actually had a, had him in a couple of DFS lineups. I was really disappointed, but I also had Jamar Chase, <laughs> so it worked out anyway. So yeah, but uh, but no, seriously, I, I'm a huge fan of Mar- uh, Marshall and the opportunity. Just going to be going to smash with whoever's at quarterback. He's going to have a huge chunk of that offense, even though Eric Gilbert is going to get his targets. That true freshman tied in there. Yeah. Speaking of tight ends, Matt. Oh yeah. So this is one that uh, it's mostly I just I. I I didn't, I don't look super closely into tight ends. If you look at my original top 60, I think I had like one tight end really listed. I think the tight end, tight end position in Debbie is one that I typically am just going to fade until I started looking more into this player. And that player is Kyle Pitts, um, freak athlete. He's basically a wide receiver. That's going to be, um, for Florida. He's most of the film scouts are saying, if you're looking for the next guy, that's going to be in that, um, Travis Kelsey tier, this is the next guy. I, I, we, we talked about it actually on uh, Travis's podcast. Florida's wide receiving group is not great. It's definitely not got anyone that's a real prospect. I, be, I will guess that their top drafted receiver next year will be a tight end, and it's going to be Kyle Pitts. So I had to start moving him up. He's a guy that I pretty much had unranked, and now he's, he's in that like 40 to 50 range for me right now. And he he he's going into his junior year. Do you think he'll declare, or do you yes. think you'll be holding on to him for? You already answered the question. I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> he's going he's going to declare after this year. I actually won't be that shocked if Florida starts off slow and maybe the offense isn't really clicking. If something like if that team falls out of contention early, and I don't think they will, it would not shock me if he's one of those guys that says, you know what, season's kind of lost. I'm gonna go go to the NFL. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. The reason I ask is, uh, like you said, tight ends can be tricky in Debbie anyway. And if you're waiting two more years before he's even a rookie in the NFL, and then we know it takes, well, typically takes, uh, tight ends a long time to develop. Uh, you could be waiting a long time, but if he's already declaring, that's one year, uh, less that you have to wait. All right, Travis, give us another guy. 
another guy I've, I've been talking him up here recently a little bit more but uh I, i've been drafting him actually way earlier than i thought i would be comfortable doing so and that's uh jeterius tutu atwell uh out of louisville uh he's he, with jamar chase departing tutu atwell yes the, the leading wide receiver in all of college football his first name or at least what he goes by is tutu uh, he had like over 1,200 receiving yards last year in an offense that barely had 3,000 yards passing. And I mean, he's another guy that just always scores touchdowns, one of the highest touchdown percentage in the, percentages in the nation. Le- leads, leads the ACC in uh, yak per target for wide receivers. Just an incredibly efficient guy. And uh, he gets picked apart for always, you know, taking jet sweeps and having his production amped up by that. But even if you take out, all of his jet sweep production, he still has over a thousand yards. And oh, by the way, on those non-jet sweep receptions, he's averaging 22 yards per reception, like which is right on par with what you know Jamar Chase was doing. And and he's doing that with Mikhail Cunningham at quarterback, not Joe Burrow. So just an elite playmaker. The only question is going to be his size. He needs to add some weight. He's got top end elite deep speed. He's going to be a little bit shorter, 5'9", 5'10", and, and kind of weighs about three pounds. Needs to, needs to bulk up <laughs> before he uh, shows his face at any NFL combine. But, man, he's got he's got the best opportunity right now in, in the country maybe and- to really just, just, hey, take the spotlight because we already know what Devontae Smith is. Everyone already knows what – uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, they, they have questions answered there already, I guess, somehow. Uh, but, you know, big names are, are leaving. And so there's less, you know, huge, crazy producers that are even out there. Like, and, and people aren't going to get super pumped about DeMonte Coxie, who's like right there with him in, in terms of yards last year, uh, playing for Memphis. You know, he's he's in the ACC. He's going to have a lot of games on, on, on TV. He's going to be become more of a household name and kind of build some hype and people are going to be like, Holy cow, this, this dude named Tutu is, is a monster. So <laughs> I can't wait uh, just to see what this year has in store for, for Tutu at well. And you can, I, I mean, you can criticize a player for saying like, Oh, he's only getting used on bubble screens. He's only getting used on the, you want to know what I see right there? I see a coach that says, I want the ball in his hands as much as possible. And that's what, that's why we like, like, that's what market share is showing us. Who is the guy that they go to? Who is the guy that when the game is like meaningful, who is the ball going to? And Tutu Atwell is that guy. Love that pick. He is, I have him at in 34 and he is low for me. I need to move him up. All right, there you go. That's that's a good one. My last one is Tamorian Terry. I've been talking about him a little bit now. I'm I'm a big fan. He just when you watch him, he is just a freak at 6'4, 209. He's he's pretty fast, four five speed. I, I really like him. He uh put together some just insane numbers last year, 60 receptions, uh averaged almost 20 yards a catch. I I, I love the dude. I, I was not a huge believer last year. Um, because I didn't ever watch Florida State much, but but looking over some of the films, seeing what he's capable of, uh, he's a guy that's been climbing for me. I'm I'm liking Terry. Yeah, man, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had much better than four or five speed. Like that, I think he's been clocked what it, with pads on at 24 miles an hour or something. Yeah, like, 24.3 is what I think they said. Yeah, yeah at six foot four, like you got to be kidding me. Like if he if he if he does break four or five even at at six foot four, like the dude is gonna get. He's going to get stolen somewhere uh, on day two. If if somebody, you know, well, it it would be stupid actually if he did make it to day two. If he was six foot four with like four four speed, but um, yeah, but I think a lot of people have him as a day, day two guy right now. But I think that might change, especially if Norvell just says, "Hey, 
uh, we're going to send all the targets your way. Like you, like you did yeah. <laughs> like just last year with Coxie, like all the, all the market share. Here you go. So love it. Yeah. My, my sub point um, on my notes here for, for Terry was Mike Norvell coach, <laughs> because yeah, yes. I could totally see that happening. Um, let's real quick. Just uh, give me like just two sentences. Uh, give me two players each on, on guys you've got moving down. We've talked about some of them a, a little bit throughout the show, but I, I would like to spend a couple minutes going over uh, some of you guys' uh, differences in the ranking. So real quick, um, Travis, if you want to give me uh, two guys uh, that are moving down your boards and, and, and why. So you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown. Like I, I didn't have him as high as, as some anyway. Uh, I think I barely had him as a round two guy, but I'm going to be moving him down even even more so just because of if the Pac-12 does have a weird or no season, uh, he's in a position where he has no real breakout season on, on his resume and absolutely has to come back. And if he doesn't, He's not going to be even a day two pick probably next year, which is sad because, you know, coming out, he was like a five-star guy. So, yeah, I'm having to move him down. And then, of course, I already mentioned Kenneth Gainwell as Sage Surratt. I think if they've done more, I'd have less questions. Or And really, it's it's just what I think the NFL might have questions on, like with size for Gainwell, with size of resume for Surratt. But I, I'm not like I, – I like all three players. Uh, I think they have NFL futures, just having to move him down a little bit. Yeah. Matt? So my two that I had are Rondell Moore, and I think I've said this a few times. I'm not moving them in a lot. I just I feel like I have to draft a, li- I draft a little more risk-averse, so I'm probably pushing him below Bateman. So that's heresy in this world. Um, and then the other guy is Max Borgie. And we've, I love Max Borgie. I think he's super fun to watch. I think he's he should be the type of player that the NFL is looking for. But I worry that a player who has been mostly used as a receiver um, – and likely won't have an opportunity to show himself as a running back. His, his upside's kind of limited in where his draft capital ends up. So he worries me. And I, I just, I fear that if the season isn't something that makes him look amazing, he'll be back another year. Totally agree there, by the way. Can I just say like Max Borgie is like, he's not going to be a day, day two back. Like there's a, for me, there's almost a 0% chance like runs like 95% of his snaps from 10 personnel and like, if you look at where he catches the ball, it's all like there's a little duck and dink and dunk. Like it, his eight out is like, it, I think it's almost three negative three yards. Like he just, it's all manufactured touches. So I don't, I don't care that he catches the ball a bunch. Like it, it's not impressive. So it's just the scheme. Yeah, and and like you said, with Pac-12 football not taking place, um, it's going to be hard for him to uh, to change the narrative. And and yeah, that's that's pretty unfortunate. I uh, I, I like him as a player. He's super fun to watch, like you said, Matt. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't really, I don't really see much of a, a future beyond, you know, a late round pick in the, in the NFL. So that's a good call there. Um, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with you with some major differences in the rankings. Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. We love producing these shows, and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show.
At Rotoviz, we love titles, we love hardware, we love championships, we love winning, and we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy best ball mania, $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great underdog fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device and you're gonna make a deposit. You're gonna use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're gonna go refer five friends and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's, it's kind of like a two for one. You sign up, you put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code ROTOVIZ, you get a free entry. No brainer guys, let's chase that glory, 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, They've got a $5 tournament called The Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOVIZ and chase that glory. And we are back. I'm going to start off with a couple of running backs here. I'm going to start on with uh, with a gentleman that you are a lot higher on, Travis, uh, than Matt. Uh, Matt didn't have him in his top 60, which is where we were ranking. Um, so Isaiah Spiller, running back for Texas A&M. Travis, uh, tell me why Matt is crazy. Well, I mean, in regards the, to Spiller, I in mean, general, because we all know I don't, that. I don't think we have time to really go into you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, it's true. It still hurts a little bit, guys. <laughs> No, but I mean, so Isaiah Spiller comes in his first season, uh, you know, true freshman. I, you know, he's not even going to be the starter. It's going to be the Jayshon Corbin show. Uh, but no, Jayshon Corbin goes down week one. And uh, yeah, you can pick apart like what he did in, in SEC games, but it was he played one of the toughest schedules in college football history last year for Texas A&M. Still almost got to a thousand yards as a true freshman uh, carrying the ball 170 plus times and had no help on the offensive line. Like if you look at where their offensive line is in terms of what they allow um, in terms of yards before contact, the Texas A&M, the only offensive line that they, I, I think were locked in is worse, uh, worse than I think, or better than was uh, Vanderbilt. Like everyone else probably better than Texas A&M's offensive line last year, but this year they're returning a whole bunch of veterans. Uh, so the offensive line's intact. Kellen Mond is the quarterback. Again, they've got some legit, uh, really scary outside wide receivers and Jamon Osmond and Demond Demas, uh, who is just a freaking Julio Jones in, in, in the form of a true freshman. Uh, so there's, there's going to be more opportunities for him, I believe to shine. And if he does shine in an all sec schedule, uh, NFL guys everywhere are going to be like, you know what? That kid is a running back one in the 22, uh, 2022 NFL draft class. And, and there will be zero questions in his profile. Uh, he didn't, like I said, he didn't have the best yards per carry, I guess, in SEC games. But that's nitpicking to me. He's going to be the feature back on a, on a good offense uh, this year um, in the SEC. He's going to check a lot of boxes. And it's besides just playing for Alabama, I, I don't think you know he could have anything else going for him this year. I mean, saying he didn't have the best yards per carry uh, against SEC play. It's being sort of generous. He, like his overall season number, like he, I will say this, Spiller is a guy that will move up my ranks. Right now I have, I, I just adjusted it. He's, he's at like 
player 49 overall. He's a guy that I'm going to end up moving up more and more as I as I dig more into him. However, here is yards per carries in games where he had or against SEC play. 3.4 yards per carry against Clemson. And I know I'm throwing them in, but Clemson's an SEC team. We all know that. Um, 1.5 against Auburn. Um, he had seven attempts uh, against Arkansas, had zero yards. Um, 2.7 yards per carry against Alabama. 4.9 yards per carry against Mississippi. 4.1 against Mississippi State. 5.4 against South Carolina. 0.6 against Georgia. I can't blame him for that. Georgia's stupid good. And then 6.0 against LSU. So on his profile, he has one game in the uh, against meaningful competition in the like range I'm looking for, which is 6.0 against LSU. Other than that, it's a lot of... He beat up on UTSA. He had 217 yards against UTSA, averaged nearly 11 yards a carry. He had 15.1 yards per carry against Texas State. He had 8.3 yards per carry against Lamar. Now, he should be doing that against them, but if you're looking at his overall like efficiency, it's scary as a running back for what I'm looking for initially. Now, here is why he will move up in my ranks. 29 receptions over the year. And as we always kind of talk about, I want at least one per game. And ideally I'm looking for at least two. Seven yards per reception is fine. I You're looking, typically I'm looking closer to 10 because there's so limited usage, but whatever. He's getting heavily used as a receiver. So he's a guy that will move up my ranks. Um, he's a guy that I had too low having him outside the top 60. However, I, I'm not willing to just quickly write off the efficiency because I it's just it's my process. Like it's why I had Cam Akers clearly as my running back five this year because his efficiency sucked. Because there is only so much that I'm going to put it all on the offensive line. I have a question. So like you, so, you said you said Cam Akers, right? Yeah. So Cam Akers, like the, when you look at their yards like after contact percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everyone knocks the Florida State offensive line, and it was atrocious. Uh, but uh, you know, Texas A and M actually—they're basically like right on par in terms of what they allow before, like yards before contact, like with Florida State's offensive line and Texas A and M's offensive line. And the yak percentage, like yards after contact percentage for Spiller, was actually even higher than Cam Akers. Like we talk about, you know, Cam Akers having a crazy, you know, numbers. It, it, it was, it felt like it was a thousand yards after contact. It was even, even higher for Spiller. He was having to get more and more and more. And so like when you, when you throw in like what he's doing against the cupcake teams and he is, you know, killing the cupcakes like he should, I can't imagine how I would imagine it was more, more, more likely than not that he actually had negative yards before contact. I haven't like broken it down, but it's likely he had, he had negative yards before contact in the SEC games. So what he was doing to me, it's impossible. It was impossible for him to be efficient last year. That's that's and, my thing. And and that's why I mean he's on his freshman year. If he were if he were a sophomore with this profile, like if he were going into his, he would be available in um, twenty twenty two. Nope. Yeah, yep. twenty twenty two. If he would be available, yeah. If he was, if he was available, like quickly, if he was a neck after next, whatever, because he has got two more years to pr- improve his profile, he is a guy that very well could shoot up boards. And I, I may miss my shot at him, but the truth is, 
I want to get him after next year when his profile looks a little bit better. It's not to say that he is a bad player now. It's not to say that um, I'm not going to regret missing out on him. It's just that these are somewhat red flags for me. And they're the same thing that I've pointed out for, like there's a lot of running backs that have had the excuse of, well, they were doing everything. They had to do everything. And then, but does that put a beating on your body? Does that make the like splash plays look a little bit better because your line was terrible and how much can we like it how much is it like can i write off the fact that there's this i have certain thresholds that i like to see and he's not hitting any of them so it's yeah he's just an interesting guy i th- he's a profile of a guy that will will definitely rise up after this year for me and i don't know maybe i'll regret it maybe i won't but i he he's just a guy that yeah he's He's very good. I can't push him as high as some people will. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's go to a player that... To Travis's boy. Well, I was... I wanted to do go Travis's to someone... boy. It's Tank. Let's talk, let's let's talk, talk about Tank, Tank Bigsby. So, uh, running back Auburn. Let me, let me defend track. myself before Travis rightfully tells me that I am low on this. The only reason Tank Bigsby is not in my top 60 is pretty much no freshmen are in my top 60 right now. They need to be adjusted. I definitely need to push some of these freshmen up. However, I like a little bit of prove it beforehand. And when I have some guys that have actually been on the field, I'm I'm giving them a little bit. I'm taking a half step back. And when all of a sudden Tank Bigsby is the starter week one and goes off for 200 yards, he's going to move into my rankings. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You, you have to get some prove it. Like you want to see him do it, but... I think like when people are taking when people are doing the the Debbie drafts, uh, you know, you're, you're just gonna miss like you're gonna miss out on on those players if you wait uh, on them. And with with the hype surrounding running backs lately, even if Debbie, you know, the situation for Debbie running backs right now is frankly just gross, uh, especially for 2022. Um, yeah, it, it people want to go after the running backs because they see these guys pop, and it's like you know, even if they don't have a crazy thousand yard season. You know, even like Spiller, Spiller is ranked really high by most people. Like he's already like a second round pick or third round pick. And like every real draft I've been in, like he's way, way up there. And just because he's an SEC running back, like whether it's rational or not, like there's just this hype, like even Brees Hall for like no reason is like ranked super stupid. high. Brees like Hall's just, a terrible run, Just stupid back. high. Like Zamir White, like is, I saw him go 24th. The dude has like what fifty something carries on his on his career, and and he's got you know two destroyed knees already. So it's just it, people love these running backs. So I rank freshmen higher than I I maybe should uh, by some people's measures because they haven't proved it yet. Be- because I can kind of project or expect what what they're going to do. Like Zachary Evans is going to be way low, way too low for everybody because he's going to get five hundred thousand carries this fall for T- TCU. Um, and so he, I'm going to probably have to move him up, but tank Bigsby, I think is going to steal the job away from a less than impressive DJ Williams. Uh, and, and so I think that once he takes that job, he's going to be the feature. He's going to, he's not going to have a crazy receiving profile because just Gus doesn't do that with his running backs, but he's going to smash. And so he's going to be like a, a carry on Johnson that, that, you know, hopefully he stays healthy, but he's going to easily, easily pass up what, what carry on Johnson did and, and get the draft capital one day. He's just a monster. He does it all uh, as, as like a feature back build. Like, I mean, he's six foot, you know, two ten plus, you know, as a 17 year old, 
Uh, he can easily be that 6'1", 225, absolute just monster feature uh, in college and in the pros. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I just... That was, he's the one, he is one guy that I'm looking at and saying, yeah, he's, he's going to be, he'll be very high in my ranks probably by mid season. And am I going to regret being improved or forcing a prove it? Maybe. <laughs> there. So, so, um, Travis real quick, who would you, who would you rather have, uh, tank Bigsby and, and some of the unknowns with what could be, or a guy like Jerry on Ely? Um, there, <laughs> that's tough. They're like right there. Did you pick his two side by side? Yeah. No, no, no. They're not side by side. I just had this. I I had to make this choice in a, in a Debbie league a couple of weeks ago. They, and I wanted to see if I made the choice. <laughs> no, they're actually like, I think they are really, really close for me. I think I have Tank actually higher. 34 and 36 for you. Oh, okay. That's perfect. I, I do have, I think, uh, yeah, I think Bigsby though, I give the edge. Uh, I think Ely is a little bit smaller. Uh, I, I like him just as a, as a raw athlete. I mean, he, he was... He, he had to, he's one of those freaks that just, you know, he, he could play any sport if he, that he wanted to. Uh, he's already, I think he's already been drafted actually for baseball. <laughs> so, uh, but he, I think he's actually going uh, with football for now, but I think he's going to be held back just schematically by the stupid mobile quarterback there. Uh, so he's, he's not going to have the crazy stats and he's going to be a little bit smaller. So I think he's going to have more questions than somebody like uh, Tank Bigsby, who's got the size and will probably take a feature role for Auburn and be in some bigger games maybe. Uh, than Ole Miss because Ole Miss sucks. So that's <laughs> they're really close, really, really close. But I lean Tank. Okay, so I made the wrong decision. Is what? Yes, you're that's me. what that's, I'm telling. Yeah, that's that's okay. <laughs> way to way to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm good at that. Um, I want to go to a running back that Matt has ranked higher than than Travis, and that is uh, Kylan Hill. Uh, going into his senior year last year, he uh, had he had a great year. He had ten rushing touchdowns. He had thirteen. Uh, 1,350 yards, uh, averaged, you know, just under six a carry. Um, pretty good receiving profile. Um, in the last two years, he uh, put up 40 receptions. So um, I know I know, I'm pretty high on Kylan Hill. Matt's fairly high on Kylan Hill, mm-hmm. and Travis is not. So Matt, give us the story. Why do you like Kylan? And then, uh, Travis, uh, why are you wrong? <laughs> Truthfully, <laughs> I'm not that high on Kylan Hill. I want to be, I would like, I, I like him. I he is a because he's eligible and i think the running backs kind of suck right now i'm if you actually look at where we have him ranked comparatively in the like the rankings that our listeners can't see very see i have him at 20 overall travis has him at 26 so the gap isn't huge um and i guess if i i use this against spiller i will point out he feasted on crappy competition and he did struggle against some of the sec teams however uh, Texas A&M, he averaged 7.1. And then Arkansas is not an SEC team. I'm not going to count them. But he had 11.1 against them. Arkansas is not an SEC team, but Clemson is, if I got that right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which one of those teams would, if you're trying to use SEC as a, met, as a like, hey, yeah. this team is good, don't say Arkansas. Um, <laughs> so, no, I mean, Kylan Hill is a guy that I'm not actually super duper high on. It's just more of a, a factor of, I really think the running back class this year is going to suck. And I hope maybe Leach makes him look like a good receiver. And all of a sudden his profile raises. That was a guy that was a projection. He actually, I know you're going to get mad at me for this. He's probably going to fall. Oh, I am mad at you for that. Now I'm going to look like the idiot because 
you're both going to be anti-Kylan Hill, and I'm going to be stuck defending him. No, Travis? Okay, so I'll tell you why I'm wrong, for your sake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you guys have flipped the script on me. This is fantastic. There you go. There you go. But not... <laughs> he's he's really I, I think he's really impressive I do in a lot of ways but he's not elite at anything like he's gonna sneak into the back end of day two draft capital just because of the state of next year's draft class I think he's gonna be one of those he's gonna be next year's Keyshawn Vaughn right like he's gonna be you know he's gonna t- turn 23 um, by August you know like before week one of, of his first season he'll turn 23 I think he's got like a mid-August birthday uh, and so he'll be kind of like an older rookie day, late day two. And he'll have like a weird boost to his receiving profile this year because Mike Leach loves to just chuck the ball literally 52 times a game, like for the past three seasons, that's been his quarterbacks <laughs> chucking the ball over 50 times a game. So he's going to have some weird, pro- like receiving production this year and his rushing production is going to be half of what it was last year. So looking at him as a, as a normal prospect is going to be really hard because like he runs super angry. He's probably going to be just good enough uh, physically, you know, just thick enough, like not just kind of fast enough to be average and, and, you know, check enough boxes. You're like, man, that looks kind of cool. But like, I think he's probably going to be like a, a committee back probably at, at, the, at his peak. Um, and I'm not sure that that's going to hype everybody up. And so I think he's, he is a, you know, that, that RB five, six, seven, eight range guy that, you know, some people try to sneak him in the back end of the first round, but that's probably too early in his rookie draft. You know, that's, that's what, that's where I see him filling in uh, for NFL purposes and just kind of predicting the future within a year. Uh, anyway, that's, that's why I'm wrong anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that was you guys, both you guys both mentioned uh, his, the potential for his receptions to go up. And I, and I think that's going to be a significant factor. He's shown the ability uh, to really thrive in a passing game. Uh, so I, I think he could really uh, take a step forward there. So I'm, I am projecting that. I'm hoping that you're wrong about uh, his, his rushing totals going way down. Um, but again, with Leach, um, there's never a, a huge floor to, uh, to what a running profile will look like. Um, I, 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 it would be remiss of me to not end the show talking about um, the poster boy for uh, this podcast. Uh, Chris Olave, you guys are very different in your ranks and your perspective of Chris Olave. Now, I know that Matt has talked um, in length uh, last episode about his frustration and anger um, surrounding the fact that we won't possibly won't get to see um, Olave this year um, and just what that meant for the player uh, and, and just, yeah, the unfortunate scenario regarding draft capital and all that kind of stuff. But regardless of that, uh, I'd love to hear you guys kind of uh, go back and forth a little bit on Alave and uh, see if either of you can convince me to move him up or down. Let's continue to keep our fingers crossed that the Big Ten is going to play in the fall. If they do, Chris Alave is going to put up another stupid year. Um, he is the clear-cut alpha receiver in that room, even though Garrett Wilson very well might be more talented. Julian Fleming very well might be more talented. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the next coming of Jesus Christ. But... Um, Chris Olave is the guy that has the built-in relationship with the coaching staff and with the uh, quarterback. So he is going to be the guy that gets the heavy workload. So for me, yes, he's a bit of a projection. However, I look at him last year as a guy that built a profile of being the big spot receiver. So whenever a play needed to happen, they went to Chris Olave. It's why they threw the touchdown pass to him in the game. And it's why they were looking for him to try and tie the game up um, at the end. So 
Chris Olave is a guy that already has film scouts saying, hmm, maybe he's an early day two kind of guy. He has um, the potential for a big final year. I'm not saying that he's going to be a round one pick. I'm not saying that people should be um, looking at him like in the same tier as um, Jamar Chase and all them. But I will say that like your guy, Terry, he is my my number one guy of like, if I'm sitting there on the board at Terry, I'm probably trying to trade back because I would rather have Chris Olave at a later price. So that's kind of where I look at him. I think he'll probably test out pretty well athletically. He does. He's already kind of proven the ability to be a field stretching receiver. Yeah, he's he's my guy. And let's be very clear about this. I'm a super duper homer and there's some of that baked into it. However, I will say if you look at his, his, uh, his Debbie watch, uh, ADP and all the drafts that he's going, the range right now is somewhere between like three Oh four and like two ten. So he really is kind of that back end of a second player. So I have him higher than that, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm pushing him into this stupid high range at this point unless I'm the cause for him being that high. And if so, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, I'm going to try to talk myself into Chris Olave here rather than just disagree with you just straight out. Okay. I'm going to try to do it. Okay. So here's, he's actually got some really fun numbers going for him. Like if you just break it down, like just, you love efficiency. I love efficiency. The dude is a lot of fun. Like uh, there's been a lot of work done in terms of, uh, you know, you know, average depth of target actually being kind of a, a wide receiver stat, not even just necessarily. Sometimes it's, it's a, a purely, um, you know, schematic stat, especially like if you just understand, like, you know, there's uh run and shoot offenses and uh, you know, just some, some offenses just always have like a deeper, you know, target share. And, and part of that is the, the Ohio state's game, but you know, like KJ Hill wasn't that like that. That's not what his role was at. He's not, that's not what he was asked to do. That's not what Garrett Wilson has been asked to do. Chris Olave's average depth of target was like over nine yards or something stupid like last year, which was the greatest of any wide receiver. Like it was further downfield, you know, like average target than any other player in the country. Like other, other guys way up to, at, at the very top. T. Higgins was number two. Rashad Bateman was number four. Jamar Chase was number five. Diami Brown was number six, and just eight out. And, and obviously, that's that's just one stat. But it, it was just interesting to me that he was at the very top there, and he was also second in touchdown percentage, second in first down percentage. Uh, and and we're kind of double counting there, I guess, with his eight out. But I mean, like, just crazy, crazy efficient wide receiver. You know, still almost getting nine hundred receiving yards and like less than 50 catches like that's that's kind of crazy right i mean he was doing great things doesn't get a lot of yak because when he catches the ball he's already standing in the end zone uh but <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean that's just that's just true like I, I, almost one out of every four touch, catches was a touchdown and so that just happens uh when when you have uh, justin fields at quarterback too so there's a lot of things going for him uh but you know as as a critic might say he's a little bit slight he's gonna weigh in maybe uh, you know, at round 190-ish uh, at 6'1", which is going to be a little skinny. Uh, and so some people are going to pick, pick him apart for that. Uh, he's not going to be, you know, a burner. He's not going to be at the top three, I don't think, in terms of straight line speed. Uh, I don't I don't care what he runs at the Ohio, Ohio State Combine. Uh, he's just, he's not going to be, he's not going to be Jalen, he's not going to be Jalen Waddle. He's not going to beat a few other, he's not going to beat Rondell Moore. Uh, he's not going to be 
elite in any physical measure, I don't think. So there's his college for or his high school 40 was a four, seven, three, according to ESPN. Yeah, so, so super solid. Yeah. yeah super solid there. And that's actually not, not as, as terrible as you might think. Like uh, even Justin Jefferson had a bad when he ran mid four fours. You know, I think Chris Olave is going to be because he's slight. He's probably gonna be a four, four, eight kind of guy, four, four, seven, four, four, nine, somewhere in that, in that area for the 40, but I don't think he's going to wow you in that regard. Uh, and if he doesn't get another season to prove it, he's going to have a really kind of short resume in terms of the top end of what we what we've seen. Um, and if he does have that black eye. The last time we saw him was turning the wrong way on a route in a very important game for Ohio not State. Crying. Yeah, you're not crying right now. I, I actually I feel your your tears actually through with the, the podcast is really weird right now. But no, Chris Olave is uh, he does a lot of good good things. I think he's a day two pick, maybe the back end of a day day two pick. Uh, once it, when it's all said and done, uh, even if he does have a really good season, I think that's probably where he is. And so I'm not sure if I'm pumped for the ceiling for him. Uh, and I'm not sure that a bunch of film people are going to be as pumped for the ceiling for him because they don't care about all the numbers I just said as much. And so um, it's more of just a projection and a concern as to what I think the, the top end ceiling is for him uh, with NFL decision makers. So maybe that's more of a projection, but I just don't feel as confident rating, rating him super high, like uh, end of round two, beginning of round three, like I'm just going to have zero shares of him and that's okay. Um, but I, I do probably need to move him up from 53. Like probably, in, he probably belongs at the back end of round four for me, maybe mid round four for me, if I tried to redo my rankings and get real friendly with it. So, but you know, I don't, I don't hate him. Matt, any, anything to, to reply with? Or are you still in One tears? Sec. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, for something really quick just to make sure I'm right about this. There was someone who actually just had a mock draft come out recently. Actually, yeah, here it is. It's the uh, most recent Todd McShay mock, way too early mock draft has him as a as a first round pick. Do I think that's likely? No, I think you're probably right. I think he's a day two pick, but I've kind of put him more in that range of the the early second because I have seen some of the more respectable film guys, mostly the draft ne- network guys. I've seen a lot of them kind of say that this is a guy that could be an uh early to mid second round guy. So if that's the capital he's getting, I'm pretty happy with getting him in the second round of a Debbie draft, because I think he has some upside. Um, But I, I don't think you're crazy for that. I mean, some of the, the comps for him are a little more intimidating. I've seen um, he, it's just, there's some of the people who think he lacks upside and I, I get that. So I'm just high on him. I can't help myself. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I love him too. I think just again, the film, like he is able to make just incredible plays. Like you said, like a quarter of his receptions go for touchdowns. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not all on him. Of course, he's got a great quarterback, uh, but, but yeah, he, uh, he is definitely a, a playmaker. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if the big 10 does come around. I mean, that seems to be <laughs> what we're all waiting to find out. Hoping, hoping happens. Um, but, but if he does have that opportunity, he's one of those guys that could really uh, start to climb up people's, uh, boards. Uh, if not, yeah, it could be it could be tough for him. It could come down to what he's able to do in shorts. Um, Travis, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, people can check out all of your uh, wonderful work, of course, on Rotoviz. And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at ff underscore Travis M. That's uh, where I can uh, answer it, all your questions. And uh, not just fantasy football. Just throw me a curveball. I don't care. Yeah, there you go. And of course, <laughs> Matt is uh, Wispy the Kid. You can find them there, and I'm Stay Fun Laco. Any final thoughts for our, our good listeners? 
Vontae Mack, no matter what. There you go. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Thanks again. We will be in your ears next week. We'll be back with you guys with our kind of regular season schedule. We'll be looking at some of the upcoming games, give you our picks, the overs, the unders, and everything in between. Thank you so much for listening. We will be talking to you soon. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA and the NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including new NBA bracket contests with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.